This one is dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or saber a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I am sharing a recording of a webinar that I attended hosted by Susanna Gold of Vignetto Communications. It has been said that Pinot Grigio is the wine that is loved to be hated. It's the scapegoat for simple wine. Wine without character, wine without depth. The catch-all for what's wrong with supermarket wine. Well, Albino Armani Pinot Grigio is turning heads and leading the charge in changing that opinion. It is a Pinot Grigio worthy of your love. Blush. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level two graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. I think it's absolutely safe to say that Albino knows more about Pinot Grigio than probably anybody else anywhere, not just in Italy. Um, we're talking about Albino Armani today as Albino Armani, who owns his own winery, but you may know the ones who certainly have been to the wine media conference recently, that Albino is also the president of the Consorcio of Pinot Grigio delle Venezia. So um, he also wears that hat. But we are talking today about, about his winery. And so if you see um, on the label, which you guys all have the same four wines, so they make five Pinot Grigios, but I made the decision to send all of you four of them. So everybody has the same four wines. But as you can see um, in their logo, they have been in business, in the wine business since 1607. So that's a very, very long time. Um, and it's a family of 400 years of history. Um, and this deed that you see in this picture is a deed that they have from the year 1607. And Domenico Armani signed this deed on December 7th. So at this point, Albino, although he speaks English, he doesn't feel 100% comfortable speaking in English. So I would love you to say a couple of words maybe about your family and then I can happily translate for you, Albino, okay? See? So Albino is saying he's actually moved to see so many people and all of us from different parts of the United States and he's really so pleased and it's of course night in Italy, it's 9.15 or 9.10 and he wishes that he could show us his vineyards and how beautiful it is right now and how just gorgeous the, the vineyards are. He's in the Veneto today. Um, so they have wineries in all of these three regions that we're talking about in the three Veneto, but today he's in the, in the Veneto. So he's saying that, you know, it's a family that has 400 years of history and uninterrupted history in terms of their work in the vineyards. So they have always been working the vineyards as farmers. There's never been a generation in all of these generations in the last 400 years that hasn't been involved in viticulture and that hasn't been involved with Pinot regions. So very, very long history, both with the terroir and also with this particular grape 
So he's saying that he was born and his family really started in the Val Garena, so in Trentino. And um, that's where they were for about 350 years. And it's only in the last 50 to 60 years that he and his father before him started to expand their work in Veneto and in Friuli. So his family comes from Trentino and then expanded into the Veneto and Friuli. So that is, we are tasting wines today from all three of those regions, right? So he's saying that he's very proud of this fact that they've been in this industry in these regions, this region, Trentino and um, Veneto and Friuli for all of these years, because it's very different from somebody who's just come to this area 20 years ago, because they have this historical knowledge and experience with this ter these terroirs. So if we look at this um, next slide, this Albino and his wife, Egle, are the 16th generation of wine growers, and they have 750 acres of owned vineyards in the in northeast of Italy, so three regions. And, you know, as, as you can hear, I think, when Albino speaks, even if you don't speak Italian, I think it totally comes through his respect for his terroir and love for his region and northern Italy. Um, and, you know, the feeling of being a guardian of these indigenous grape varietals. So these are the three regions. I don't know if everyone had heard of the Tre Veneto before I sent you this um, these wines or were at the, you know, wine media conference. Um, did everyone know about the Tri Veneto? Was that a word that you'd heard of? It's, it's something new for you guys? Something new? Yeah. So the Tri Veneto are these three regions. So Trentino, Friuli, and the Veneto. Um, and this is a, a nice slide just so you can see. Um, these are the areas where Albino and his family have a home at wineries. So in Friuli, it's Sequals. And this is in the Veneto, San Polo, Di Piave, and their main headquarters is here in Dolce, which is right here on the border. Albino, vuoi dire qualcosa qui su questo slide? So what uh, Albino is saying is that all of his wineries are surrounded by mountains. So every, he's very close to the mountains, and that's where he feels that Pinot Grigio is really, really finds its home. So he has all of his wineries very close to the mountains. He also personally loves the mountains. He's a hiker and a skier and very into extreme sports. So mountains are really in his heart, and where he thinks also that Pinot Grigio Qui vediamo le cinque cantine come hai visto prima, ma questo l'hai già visto. I territori sono molto diversi, non so vuoi dire due parole anche tu, ecco, dal, sì, dal sì, Veneto sì. con territori morenici, i sassi del Friuli, sì. territori... Okay. So these are three slides which show, in the previous slide you saw where his wineries were, and now this is an example of how different the terroir is in each of these different areas. So in the Veneto it's this morenic soil, which you know it comes from the end of a glacier, when a glacier retreats it leaves this morenic soil and alluvial soil, and then in Friuli Venezia Giulia you see these huge stones and it's also a lot of clay um, and then in the Val d'Adige there are stones that are more calcareous and more alluvial. So he's saying that you know he feels that this area that you see, this one, you know, Triveneto, it's like a mosaic, a mosaic so you can you know kind of play with it if you're an analogist right so the same grape variety but how different it, it shows its potential through the different soils that you find 
among the different regions, but also within each of the regions. So as an analogist, he really has fun with this, you know, diversity that he has in, in, at his hands. And he's saying that, you know, it's beautiful to have one winery and to know your winery really well, but he's lucky because he's got five wineries and he has so much uh, potential to see how Pinot Grigio grows in different areas. So if I may say uh, uh, to everybody, when we designed this webinar, uh, also it uh, was um, our objective was to make a fun event and uh, an exercise to see how the same grape varietal, which uh, sometimes is considered simple or uh, quite all the same, can express very much the different terroirs. So it's an example of how one varietal changes so much depending on where it is grown and how is it made. Great. Thank you, Daria. So um, I'm going to move on because I'm also conscious of everybody's time and we've got a lot of great wine to taste and a lot of interesting slides to look at. Okay, so let's talk about this Pinot Grigio revolution. So as you may know, Italy counts for 39% of global Pinot Grigio production. Um, that's a huge amount, uh, as, we, as we know, and 85% of that production takes place in these three regions. The U.S. is the number one export market for Pinot Grigio with almost 40%. And Pinot Grigio is America's third most popular varietal. Um, some of you see on this pie chart, some of the other areas that are really interested in Pinot Grigio. So of course, Germany, Austria. I think it's interesting that Moldova is 4%, just like New Zealand. I just think that's a very interesting sort of for such a small country. Um, did, did everybody know that, that, you know, that Italy was the producer of 39% of, you know, global Pinot Grigio production. I mean, I know you know that, Robin, because you were just at the Wine Media Conference. But did you know that before the Wine Media Conference? Um, I just, it's a big number. And uh, there's, there's, you know, the other, um, so I, I see you now, but it, it isn't, I guess, surprising. But I just feel like Pinot Grigio, except lately, has kind of been not as considered as it should be. So that's why I'm really happy to see all of you on this. So Albino is claiming that, you know, declaiming that Pinot Grigio is actually an Italian autochthonous variety. Um, and that, you know, a lot of the viticulturalists and farmers in Italy feel that it is an indigenous variety because it's been there for such a long time and because they really produce the lion's share of Pinot Grigio in the world. And he's saying that, well, many people People think that you know it was born in France as a mutation for Pinot Noir. It's not 100% clear that that's actually the case. In any event, it's very widely planted in northeastern Italy, and Albino is very proud of his role as the head of the consortium. But he also feels a huge responsibility towards this grape variety, um, you know, and making it really a, a flag of, of Italian viticulture. So I'm going to move to the next slide which is, did you know that Pinot Grigio is not a white grape variety? Did you find that out recently? Was that something that you were surprised by? When I found that out some years ago, I was surprised. I had always thought it was a white grape variety, but of course it's not, right? So it is a, um, 
the grape variety that you see in, in front of you. Sí, multi. So, uh, Albino's saying that, um, you know, he feels that the communication of Pinot Grigio thus far to the United States has really not done justice to the grape variety because it's a very noble grape and it's a delicate grape and it's a grape that is hard to cultivate and it really needs to have the perfect terroir. And these pictures are pictures of how Pinot Grigio was in July, as you can see, and then moving forward in August. And then this is where we are now, September, I mean, today. Is amazingly August 31st, the end of the summer. Hard to believe, the end of August. Um, but here we are. So we're in this beautiful kind of copperish color. Um, and these are some, you know, different things about the sugars and the acids that are in Pinot Grigio, which I'm not going to go through. But I'm going to send you all of this very detailed information so you will have it all, um, because I think uh, they did great work doing this presentation. I did not do this presentation. It was given to me by the winery, and I, you know, they're such specialists that they have so much knowledge. Um, so these Susanna, are just... there, there are already some questions uh, okay. because sure. apparently uh, it was a surprise for some of uh, the audience about the color of the grape varietal. So uh, they are asking if there is a minimal skin contact to prevent the color um, and if there is any Pinot Grigio Rosso uh, produced. Okay. And we will go through the presentation. Uh, sure. About, okay. Uh, the, um, okay. Uh, let's let's answer those questions now. Um, so during production, minimal skin contact, contact to prevent color. Albino. So no skin contact to make a white Pinot Grigio. Obviously, skin contact to make aromato aromato um, James has a, no, uh, Maurizio has a question. Is there, allora, noi fatto I'll just translate for everybody else then, if anyone doesn't understand. So what he said is yes, it's possible to make a red Pinot Grigio. It's very unlikely that most people make one and he, they did it, they selected kind of very mature grapes that had a lot of anthocyanins, which you know brings color. And um, they, even if they, they macerated it for 15 days and then he made a, a red wine Pinot Grigio that he really liked, but it's not a red wine the way we might think of like a big, you know, dark tannic, you know, um, you know, I don't know, Pinot Noir, not Pinot Noir, but like a, a La Grain or something. It's not like that. It's more like a Barcelino or a Barcelino that is not very, you know, very deep in color. Um, if a red Pinot Grigio is made, what is the flavor profile of Pinot Albino is saying, um, um, he's saying that to answer Debbie's question, what's the red Pinot Grigio flavor profile? So of course, much more structure, more tannic. Um, he's saying though that the future he believes for the Consorcio Pinot Grigio delle Venezia and for Albino Armani as a winery is more in the direction of the Rosato Ramato wines that they've been making for many, many years. Um, and you know, that he feels is a really beautiful version. The red Pinot Grigio, he had said, is kind of the color of like Cerezuolo, right? From Montepulciano, just to think about what color it is. And we could keep going about this particular kind of Pinot Grigio, but I'm gonna get us back to um, talking about what 
our presentation, except Debbie, uh, Lori had one question. If it's compact, isn't raw a concern? So C. Questo problema, il, il pino grigio. What he's saying is that um, it's, so Lori asked a question, is it because it has such a compact bunch, isn't it sensitive to rot? And the answer is yes, extremely sensitive to rot and mildew. Pinot grigio is a very, very delicate grape. So what Albino is saying is it needs the right climate, it needs the right altitude, and it needs the right hands, the right farmers who know how to treat the plants and have a lot of you know history with, with the particular uh, grapevines, because otherwise they can, you know, make disasters. So this slide just shows all the different names uh, for Pinot Grigio in different countries, and of course it's genetically related to uh, Pinot Noir and Pinot Bianco. So I'm going to keep going. This is another slide about the maturation of Pinot Grigio, and um, it's, you know, premature maturation, and at different altitudes, and pruning and all of that stuff, but you're getting all of this. So I'm going to get on with our, the presentation so that we can also begin to taste these wines. So this is a map where you'll see how close these areas all are, Trentino, the Veneto, and uh, Friuli. And in this slide, you see something that I think is also really important. So you see the Alps surrounding this area, the pre-Alps. You see the presence of rivers, the Adriatic, um, they have only targeted use of irrigation and albino in particular is very attentive to all everything that has to do with sustainability um so we'll talk about that in a slide later but um vuoi dire qualcosa su questo slide albino so albino is very very um feels very strongly about a concept a part of sustainability the concept that sustainability means something that a grape vine is in balance and that balance means that you're growing a grape variety in the right terroir for that grape variety and Pinot Grigio he mentioned it before but I forgot to mention it needs a lot of wind it needs a lot of thermal excursion between day and night so you know different different um, between temperatures and he's saying that you know it's not the kind of grape variety like Chardonnay that you can plant everywhere it really needs to be in a place where it can find this equilibrium um, in terms of its altitude in terms of as, as I mentioned the um, wind. And now a word from our sponsor. Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. Let Dracaena Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracaenawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. So I'm going to move on a little bit. And this is just a beautiful slide, which you'll all get. And it's the average growing season temperatures. And as you can see up here, that where Pinot Grigio is, this line, the Triveneto average climate is, you know, pretty high up there. I mean, pretty cold, right? So, you know, this is the, this is the, um, this is the line. So it's, you know, one of the coolest areas, uh, grape varieties that needs the coolest temperatures right underneath Muller's Gal. So I think that's, that's a pretty interesting 
graphic that I was surprised when I read it. Voi direi qualcosa su questo grafico, Dario o Albino? So Albino is saying he feels like Pino Grigio is kind of like him. He's a person of the mountains and if you put him in Sicily, he would really suffer. And that's the way he feels about, you know, a grape variety like, I mean, he's kidding around, but you know, a grape variety like Pino Grigio, it really needs to be in these cooler climates, which you can see from So there are four uh, different DOCs within the Triveneto that you can see on this slide. So um, I'm sorry, um, I'm moving something on my screen. So there's the DOC of Dele Venezia. There's DOC Friuli Grave, the DOC, ah, what happened? Valdadige, and then DOC Valdadige Terra dei Forti. Um, and you can see, I think you can see sort of the different colors of, of these three, uh, four areas. So this is, um, these are the four different wines that we'll be tasting today. And we're going to start with Dele Venezia. So everybody grab your bottle. If you have one near you, I hope you do. I'm so excited to open a bottle of wine. I haven't had anything to drink today. I know it's only like 3.30, but I just got back from vacation. It's always hard to come back from vacation, right? Get back into your daily life. So, um, you know, uh, you might wonder why. Albino is saying, well, Many people put their Pinot Grigios in lighter bottles. They really shouldn't because of oxidation. And because he loves Pinot Grigio so much, he would not put his, his Pinot Grigio, even Pinot Grigio de Levenezze, in, in a lighter, you know, in a clear bottle because it will oxidize the wine. As the president of the consortium, which was a, is a recent appellation, the DOC de Levenezze from 2017 on, but work began much before. Um, Albino has been able to bring many different things to this uh, huge uh, DOC. It's el più grande in Italia. See, it's the largest sí. DOC in Italy. And as the president, he did many things, including moving it from being an IGT to a DOC and reducing the yields by, by da quanto è stato ridotto il rendimento. Prima le avevamo, so noi produciamo meno. He was able to move, you know, 10,000 wine growers in this, in this DOC to producing 40% less in their vines than they, than they did before. So, of course, what does that do? That increases the quality of the wines, right? Lower yields, lower production, better, better quality wines. And his, um, his personal yields in his winery are much less than what they are allowed, according to the DOC. Um, but he's really been able to push together with all of these viticulturists who have followed him to make Pinot Grigio de la Venezia a much more quality-driven wine. And I, I think those people that were at the Wine Media Guild conference can second that view. I mean, weren't you amazed at the quality of the wines coming out of the DOC? Yeah. You know, it's really it's really different than it was in the past. And I'm, I'm sure that that's partly thanks to Albino and largely thanks to many people. And Albino's very, um, you know, not a braggart, so he wouldn't say that it's thanks to him. But, you know, your leadership, I'm sure, I'm sure has been fundamental uh, bringing the consortium forward. Sì, è stata un'esperienza bellissima, però... So Albino has been the head of the consortium before it, it began, and, you know, he's been working as the head of the consortium for seven years, and he's saying, you know, to put these 10 to 12,000 people together from three different regions, which are all kind of hard-headed people with their own view of um, 
how things should go. Um, was you know very complicated but an extremely rewarding experience and all Pinot Grigio from the northeast is now DOC all of it is traceable back to the vineyards all of it gets tested um, by you know commissions of, of blind tasting and so he's very proud of all of that so I hope you guys poured yourself a glass and um I don't know if this is the first Pinot Grigio you've had, if you weren't at the Wine Media Conference, if it's the first Pinot Grigio from Dele Venezia that you've had in a while. And I'd love to hear some comments about this particular wine and what, what you think and what you might have it with. Anybody wanna offer a suggestion like Mauricio Chef or any other person who wants to say something? Debbie, restaurant owner. I will. I would love to say something, but I haven't got my wine. Oh right, I'm so sorry. sorry. That's right. I apologize. You're the one person that don't have their wine yet. Well, when you when you do get your wine, then please write in and let us know, and I will share your thought. I apologize. I sent it to you, you know, overnight, but it didn't get there. Sorry, Debbie. You were saying. Uh, I just tasted it, and I actually, I'm having sushi for dinner tonight because I'm not at the restaurant because we're closed. So I'm right. like really excited to. Uh, yeah, I could see this with sushi. Were you surprised at the kind of structure of this wine? I know the first time I tasted it, I was pretty surprised. Um, so this is Pinot Grigio de la Venezia, and now we are going to move on to Friuli, Venezia Giulia. Um, so Friuli Grave, DOC, this is the area. Um, and of course, that's the uh, Adriatic, which you might be able to see from here. These are the Alps. I believe they're called the Julian Alps. Is that right? Yeah. So these are the Alps in Friuli. And um, here are the Dolomite Mountains. And these are, vuoi dire che cos'è questo che volevi far vedere con questo slide, Albino? Sei mutato, purtroppo. So Pinot Grigio delle Venezie, which I probably should have said this before, this is a blend of Pinot Grigio from all three of his uh, regions, right? So from his, his vines in Trentino, from his vines in Friuli, and from his vines in the Veneto. And then he makes the blend. And every year it's different, so it's not the same any particular year. Um, and now, I'm sorry. Per favore, continui quello che stavi dicendo. Grazie. Il, adesso entriamo invece in... Uh, river is called the Talamento, right? Tagliamento. Tagliamento. And truly, um, really he was saying, is the farthest northern region in Italy. So the vineyards here are even farther to the north than they are in Alto Adige. And he's saying this river and the white stones that you you find here, which in the dialect they call it claps, which I sent you in the in the Google Drive, there are photos of the claps, so you can see up close what he's talking about. So he wants you to remember that in in terms of the wine from Friuli, it's this minerality, the structure, kind of this saline note, and um, you know the ventilation that comes on these vines. So James has a question. Questa, eh, questa bottiglia è... So that's very interesting. I didn't know that. So two things. One, you'll see, you'll note sort of also in the presentation I sent you, there are three like brand colors for Albino Armani and you see them just this like tiny detail here. It says Friuli and it's kind of red. But the shape of the bottle is because in Friuli, wine, wine, winemakers have always used the Burgundy bottle rather than the Bordeaux bottle. And so, you know, for like completeness in terms of 
making a wine that shows that it's really from Friuli, Albino chose to use the same type of bottle that a winemaker who was born in Friuli would use. So that's the answer to James's question about that. And there are a lot of comments in the chat about things that people would pair Pinot Grigio with and how floral, uh, floral uh, the wine, the previous wine that we tried was and how different it is from many American Pinot Grigios. So um, yeah, okay, that is the next one. So the Dolomite Mountains, the colder weather here. Let's try the wine from Friuli if you haven't tried it yet. Um, I just love this wine. I think it's so much minerality and structure. I just think it's a gorgeous version of Pinot Grigio. And I do wish I was having a tortellini with butter and sage at the moment. That would be really nice. I would, I would like that if someone would just come and bring that to me on a plate right now. But uh, I love Friuli. It's a, a gorgeous part of, of Italy. Um, I don't know. Has anybody been there? Have you all visited Friuli? Have you ever been to Friuli? Not yet. It's a really, really beautiful, exciting uh, place. I get a lot of minerality on this wine. Wow. Pensate che questo vino viene prodotto. So Albino is saying that he's also moved kind of by these vines that can grow despite the fact that 93% of the territory that the vines live in is, is um, rocks. So, you know, they only have about 7% of earth to grow in. So they really have to fight their way to get nutrients and everything else. So he's just very impressed by these grape varieties. And I just, I went back so you could kind of see um, where, you know, where we are. So the Dolomite Mountains are, you know, right there and then the river. And this river, um, Albino was saying that Tagliamento is a river that's really important in the story of Friuli because there are a lot of wars were fought up and down this river. So it also means a lot to the people from the region. So Kat mentioned that she felt a lot of leaves on this wine. Do you do batonar su questo vino? So Kat picked up that there's a lot of leaves on this wine, you know, um, leaves on this wine. And Albino saying that he does batonage, uh, of, you know, leaves stirring on all of his, all of his wines. And he kind of, you know, takes them off the leaves at the very end, they filter the wine, but right before they bottle it. So he's saying they use very little sulfur as well, because, you know, the wines are made in a reductive style. So they're kept on the leaves. So he doesn't need to use sulfur, except at the very end when they're being, you know, bottled, which is, you know, the, for the longer life of the wine. Um, so yeah, we're going to about to go into the Valdadige. I just I see a couple of, um, yes, James, lovely and appreciable, distinct yellow fruit and rich minerality. Yeah, I just love this one. Valdadige is um, home for Al Albino's family forever. This is kind of where he's from. So Valdadige, we can see this where Bolzano is, where Trento is, and their winery is in Dolce. This um, lake that you see at the bottom, right near Dolce, is Lake Garda, which I'm sure all of you are familiar with. So you can understand what he's saying is you can understand the winds that flow through this valley because of the vertic verticality of this valley. And it's also right very close to Lake Garda, which is Italy's largest lake, um, as you may or may not know. Sorry. Okay, so that's their headquarters, this beautiful winery, which as you can see is right up against the mountains, which is what we said in Dolce. And these are their very beautiful vineyards. And I hear a little little child walking into the room. Okay, here's Dolce, their headquarters. And um, this is a beautiful winery. Want to say something? Voy dire qualcosa su la cantina. I wanted you to just so Albino lives here. Uh, so he's just saying with pleasure that this is his house. And every day he gets to see the Abijay River. 
And he's saying that one of the fundamental things about this area is the sun that reflects off of these calcareous mountains behind him onto the vineyards. You know, that the, the, the light reflects off of these calcareous um, mountains and goes onto the vineyards. And of course the winds and the, um, so the winds, the sun, and the river and the river the, and Lake Garda all kind of brings this mild temperatures to the vineyards because Lake Garda uh, mitigates kind of the colder weather that you might see. This is the Adige River, which if you've ever been to Verona, the Adige runs right through the Verona, as you, as you may know. Right, the Valley of Adige, so that's why it's called the Val d'Adige. And let's taste Corvara. Uh, this is Valdadige, which is the fifth wine that they make. Remember I said they make five Pinot Grigios, so I did not send you the, the Valdadige. I sent you Corvara, which is their single vineyard. Um, so let's try that one. And as you can see from this slide perfectly, the limestone reflecting on the uh, sea. So we're back to a Bordeaux bottle. So the Val d'Adige is probably the region that most of us know when we think of Pinot Grigio. You know, Santa Margarita made this region very famous in the United States. This is where they chose to, you know, make their Pinot Grigio and make it very well known in America. Of course, Albino is saying he's always been here. This is the area that he's from, but it is the most widely uh, known uh, part of place to make Pinot Grigio also here in the United States. And um, Corvara is their single vineyard um, Pinot Grigio from the Val d'Adige. So producers can choose to make, you know, use different DOCs when they make a wine, right? So this is the single estate Corvara, lots of thermal excursion, as we mentioned, extended, you know, winds, extended daylight hours, a lot of temperature changes. I get a lot more um, kind of herbaceous notes on this one than in the Freely one. I don't know about anybody else, you know, what you see in terms of the differences between one and the other. I love how different each of these wines are, right? Same variety, very similar winemaking. Same producer, but so different, which just you know shows the importance of terroir. Albino is saying he, that he just loves this wine and finds you know he really expects this to be their their kind of bestseller, and he feels that you know it's such a powerful, structured, beautiful wine, but it's also from a little bit of a warmer climate, so a little bit different than the the wine we just had from Friuli. And he was saying that the name of the wine Corvara comes from the the Fortezza or you know the fortress, which called Corvara, which is in this area, which was from. Um, 1300. So yeah, I just, I love the differences that we're just tasting even in this, this wine, this little small tasting, right? So the fourth wine that we're going to be tasting is from Terra de Forti, another part of Valdadige, a different DOC, a much smaller DOC, as we know. And um, no, I'm going the wrong direction. Uh, here we go. And it has southwest exposure. Um, again, and just a beautiful view of these, these this valley and you know these vineyards. Um, okay, so last wine of the day, unfortunately, uh, Coleara, beautiful wine. Um, so it's a. Uh, uh, you know, told me about this story, so I will try to. I'll, I'll let him tell it, and then I'll, I'll try to say it. So Coleara means like it's a sacred place. So Ara is a um, an altar. Vuoi spiegare un po' la, la nascita di questo vino? 
Sì, torna indietro, eh, Dario, sulla foto precedente. So, what he was saying was, on this slide, this is, this is um, Coleara, and it's, it's actually, it doesn't look like it, but it's a hill. Colle means hills. So, if you see the other side, the white cliffs, that's Corvara, but this side is Coleara, which is more towards the east, and it was a location where the Romans built an altar. So, it's been a sacred location for 2,000 years. Um, Colle Ara, so a sacred altar location. And um, it's a place that, that is very dear to Albino's heart and you know, was to the, this region, very sacred place. Okay, adesso continui per favore. Perfetto. Il colore che trovate nel bicchiere, non so se lo state già assaggiando. So he's saying that to get this perfect color, which is very precise, specific color, each grape is harvested by hand and so there can be no unhealthy grapes in this wine because otherwise the color would you know change so they it took them many years to get the exact perfect color that they wanted and this is the color and it's very stable as a color and it's a historic color so this isn't something that they're doing because it's you know alla moda now they've always made a ramato because it's the traditional version of pinot grigio quando parlavamo del colore del pino grigio, questo è uno delle... So he's saying you have to have, you know, complete control over the grapes because each one has to be perfect. Otherwise, you will not have this interesting color, which isn't really, like, it's not a rosé. It's not a white wine. It's got, you know, it's got a very specific color, which they were calling pink gold for a while. I don't know that I like pink gold as a color. I'm not sure the exact color to call it, um, but it's, it's just such a beautiful unique color um this particular wine i find and just amazing on the palate i don't know what you guys think but i just when i first tasted this wine i couldn't believe it i thought it was just kind of thrilling um and so different from what i had thought of pinot grigio in the past no that's a great description so he's saying the color is kind of like a tramonto like a you know like the sunset you know how when the sun sets you get that kind of gold golden color, a little bit like golden and red color. Um, and he's saying this is kind of the color of the sunset in the, in the Val d'Alge, as you can see. Um, and again, as we mentioned, there's overnight skin, oh, we didn't mention it, I'm sorry, but there's, oh, with this wine, there is overnight skin maceration. So he's saying it depends a little because I asked, is it always 24 hours, the skin maceration? And he said, well, it depends on the year. So like this year is a little bit of a warmer year. So it might be eight to 10 hours on the skins. Two years ago was a cooler year. So he's saying it might have been around 20 hours on the skins. So just a really um, amazingly beautiful uh, colored wine. And Um, I know it's... We have, we have a question by uh, Maurizio would like to make a question. Yes, Maurizio, please. Maurizio, you have to unmute yourself. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I mentioned the botrytis. Qualcosa di sia the botrytis. Fai il pino grigio con il botrytis o no se fare... o non lo fare al albino? No, 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 Maurizio, il, la stabilità per me del pino grigio è fondamentale, si, si può lavorare con uve botritizzate, però allora devi andare a fare dei passiti diversi, una tipologia di passito diverso. Lo facciamo per esempio in casa Belfi su, su un'altra azienda con altre uve, uve più, 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 più facili diciamo 
eh, rispetto al pino grigio. Il pino grigio lavoriamo assolutamente senza botrytis. Per me eh, devo evitarle il più possibile. So I just eh, want to mention that Maurizio asked if he does anything with botrytis and Albino said he does nothing with botrytis. He's made pasitos with, you know, grapes that have botrytis in another one of his wineries, but that's not what he's doing here or with this wine. And we could go on and on about this. I'm just mindful of the time. And um, I need to um, I just want to mention the sustainability journey, and I'm just going to touch on this slide and then turn off my screen and we can, um, you know, ah, sorry, going the wrong way. So Alvino's very attentive to sustainability in many, many ways. <coughs> and if anybody is interested in kind of getting into a deeper dive about this, I'm happy to arrange a conversation separately with Albino because I'm conscious of your time. It is 4.10. But they do so many things in the winery that they're proud of and that I'm proud to work with. Um, <coughs> between economic sustainability and environmental sustainability and social sustainability. I'm sorry, I'm having a problem. <coughs> sorry. The Dario. Yeah, Susanna. Can you do this for me. <laughs> sure. So uh, we believe a lot in sustainability. In fact, all our Pinot Grigios are uh, certified sustainable. Uh, you can see some of uh, the points where we concentrate all our efforts to uh, be responsible with the environment, but also uh, to bring on a legacy and deliver to uh, the next generation our territories and uh, the, the knowledge that we share um, with these wines. Also, uh, I wanted to add uh, something regarding the whole uh, webinar. Uh, and we hope to raise all your interests in, in this great varietal because uh, every time I'm in the States doing uh, wine tastings, uh, it's funny because sometimes uh, the customer says, no, I don't want to taste Pinot Grigio. I don't do Pinot Grigio. I, I just drink Chardonnay. And, you know, uh, Italy is um, um, a, a, a nation with a lot of uh, biodiversity. We have more than 150 grape indigenous grape varieties. So it is. We need you as a, uh, ambassadors for uh, for this uh, to to make the consumer try and go um, over the classic Chardonnay, and also. Um, Pinot Grigio has been mistreated sometimes in the last years. So by drinking our wines, you explore <coughs> the whole spectrum of Pinot Grigios and uh, what diversity there is and how you can find a Pinot Grigio for each uh, occasion or each taste. And what is very, very important for us Italian is food pairing. Uh, you know that uh, we love eating and uh, we we make very uh, simple uh, recipes but with good quality ingredients so i guess um, what is important also to to remark with our wines with with this pinot grigio is that you can find the the, um, the perfect pairing with with food so uh, Lauren asked a question. These wines are all available in the United States. Why are they available through Total Wines? Um, they sell their wines through Total. 
And as I mentioned, in terms of sustainability, they just do everything and they look at it from all these different points of view, whether you know, giving back to the community, their workers, the health, the air, the water they use. They have a huge uh, product project using their own yeast. So all the yeast that they use comes come from their own vineyards. They've propagated the yeast through years and years of research with the university. So there's really a lot to talk about in terms of sustainability. So if anyone wants to just have a sustainability conversation separately uh, from this webinar, I'm happy to set that up for you. And this is some more of the great things that they've done. They you know, reinvest their, pro their profits. They have more than 10 uh, endangered varietals that they've saved and brought back. They've done 40% less energy consumption. They've created bike paths all through their wineries. Um, they have more than 300 hectares of you know, um, certified vines and you know, less water. I mean, just in every, in every aspect, they've thought of it and they're on top of it. And I'm really proud to work with a producer who believes in sustainability so um, fervently because it really matters a lot to me. So it's great to see how much it matters to them. And I am so thankful to have had this time with you. I'm going to thank you so much for um, staying all this time. Sorry, we ran a little bit over. Um, so does anybody have a question or want to talk about food pairings or you're know, happy to kind of open up the conversation to you guys? Anybody have something they want to share or comment on one of the wines or something they want to ask Albino or Dario? James has a question. Please, James, ask your question. Yeah, just a, two quick questions. One, are the wines uh, vegan friendly? And the second wine is if you could just touch upon some of the 10 uh, indigenous wine variety or wine grapes that you are uh, protecting and potentially creating wines from. So they use no animal products. They are vegan friendly. They just don't put it on their, their um, bottles. <laughs> so Albino said, if you have two hours, let's talk about it. So I propose to have another webinar about all of that with all of the other varieties. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kivens. Until next week, slancha. You are so special, even in the Bible.